This is your host, Donna Barr, and welcome to A Bazillion Ghost Stories. Hi folks, I'm back, and I probably still feel a little rough around the edges, or should I say sound a little rough, I definitely feel a little rough because of the rhinovirus, and I'm sorry about skipping last week's podcast, but I would have growled and coughed all the way through it, and that would have been unpleasant. So I'm back with a couple of stories lined up, and I may be even if not this episode, maybe in future episodes, reading from one of my books, the actual Stitz novel, where I've got a really creepy ghost. So, welcome back and enjoy. I've got a story from the Green Tortoise Hostel, and it comes from a young Scottish man whose name I didn't quite catch. Sometimes it gets rather chatty in the common room. And he said that his grandfather had actually been shot down by Richthofen's Flying Circus. So that makes me like one, two, three jumps from the Red Baron. You know, the old Kevin Bacon game of how many jumps you are from Kevin Bacon, how many connections. So I think I'm like three connections to the Red Baron. So if that's not a ghost in your life, I don't know what is. I'm going to preface this next part of this episode in saying that I think I once lost a literary agent because we were drinking at her apartment and I mentioned that I had a dent in my skull and she didn't quite believe me and she had to feel it and it horrified her so badly that I don't think she could be physically near me. But this is the story of how I got the dent. This next story involves ghosts but they're not the kind you usually think of. This is actually a warning to parents. You probably should guard your children more carefully. I know everybody today says you have to watch your kids every minute and that we, the boomers, were just allowed to run loose and do whatever we want. We got hurt. Some people got killed. Some people got run over by trains. Kids were out there doing all kinds of crap they shouldn't have been doing. I don't know how we lived through it. And if we had had social media and these smartphone cameras, there would have been some adventures on there. There might have been some lawsuits. But this involves letting kids play in an old, fallen down, not really used barn in the back of the neighbor's property. They occasionally used it for fattening bull calves. Uh, where we were, there were dairy areas. Now, you people know what happens in the milk industry and the egg industry. The males are treated very, very badly. They might be turned into veal calves or where we were, dairy cattle. Uh, young bulls were simply knocked on the head and thrown in the river. So the neighbors would occasionally get one of these live bull calves and fatten him up and we would all have fun playing with the bull calves until they had to be cut up and then no one, none of the other kids would eat any of the meat except me because even though I had liked the calf and I'd called him by name 
Um, his liver was still delicious. Yeah, I know. This is the kind of things that can turn you into a vegan. Especially if one of these bull calves washes up on the beach after going down the river, probably the Snohomish River, into the Puget Sound, and all the kids are terrified of this headless, crushed, rotting creature. And if you go down there alone, considering how terrified we were of ghosts in that neighborhood, even if you take the dog with you, you're absolutely terrified that if you find this thing on the beach, it's going to get up and follow you up the beach trail. So you're already set for being spooked, let alone playing around with barns where there might be calf ghosts. I don't know whose bright idea it was to build our own little spook house in the barn. It was probably mine. My mother called me Little Hitler, not because I was a bully or genocidal or any of the rest of that. It's some simply that, like Hitler, I could talk any fool kids into doing anything. And that included, like, if we got bored in the neighbor's gigantic backyard overlooking a cliff that had no fence on it and we had been playing horses, I convinced the other kids that since it's boring just to run around and play horses, why don't we blindfold ourselves and then pelt all over that yard 90 miles an hour blind? And of course we did because they always listened to me and they always thought it was a good idea. Uh, and sooner or later, yes, my sister went over the cliff. We heard the scream and it was like a hundred feet down and we all ran over there and she's not dead. She has not hit the railroad tracks. She is hanging off the blackberries and nettles and screaming for help. So we did what we could to help her, even though we'd been kind of hoping to see a dead body. Um, and we never told mom about it because mom would have actually killed us. So we got real busy and this was a pretty good spook house for a bunch of dumb kids. We had stuffed hay into clothing and used red Christmas foil wrap to look like shiny blood in truncated limbs. And we had also poured ketchup all over everything because one could get a hold of ketchup, especially if you knew people who worked at the school lunchroom. And I have stories about that ketchup, which I might include. Or maybe I should just include it now. Uh, I got thrown out of the brownies because the lead brownie, the daughter of the woman who was the troop leader, was an asshole. And her mom favored her. And one day we decided we were going to set a little trap for a Missy Special. And we put a great big can of ketchup up on the door. And, of course, the troop leader, the adult troop leader, went through, and I was found out to be the ringleader on that one, and so I got thrown out of the brownies. This is probably reflected in years later, when I had joined the Army after three years, the Army politely asked me to leave and said I wouldn't get my good conduct medal until I left. So I actually do have a good conduct medal, but it was kind of a bribe. I wasn't really doing anything they could get me for. They just realized that, you know, you're not really happy in the army. The next piece of high-tech genius we had for this spook house was located in a higher part of the barn that stepped down to a lower part. And at the lower part, we put a little red wagon, like a radio flyer. And when they stepped onto that in the dark, we'd yank it a bit. 
I don't know what we thought would happen. We didn't even have bandages around. I don't remember anybody getting hurt or running home screaming, but I think considering some of the stuff we did all the time, we might have had a lot of pain tolerance. It was something like an R-Gang comedy all the while, but with a lot more bleeding. We had also made a big rope spider web hanging by one of the doors. Now, the whole thing about the spider web was it was a little bit too near the door because I was positioned in my little ghost costume, and there we have our ghosts, to stand by the door, and as the kids went out the door into the next section of the barn, I was supposed to bring an axe down behind them so they could hear it. I mean an axe, a real one. Now let me emphasize that this is a single-bedded axe. If it was double-bedded, I would not be here telling this story. Now we also had this big black cat named Mickey. Mickey was a tough guy. Uh, he at one point helped us out when the girls were all having a sleep out at the neighbor's great big southern style porch and the boys giggle giggle tee hee were in the bushes throwing little pebbles at it and we all thought it was really funny until Mickey landed on one of these kids heads and the kid went screaming down the road. Mickey by the way had been fixed so from that point on we always called him Mickey guarding the harem. Anyway Mickey would go to the beach with us, take care of us. He was like a dog, big cat, big black cat, and didn't put up with any nonsense. But at this point, he's running around through the spook house, and I've got the axe up over my head, and I want to make sure I don't hit Mickey. And that's all I care about. Well, of course, I'm about to bring the axe down, because I know Mickey isn't there. He's gone off to see who falls off the radio flyer, and the axe gets caught in the rope spiderweb. Well, of course, I turn it around, and I start yanking it to try to get it out, and of course, I did yank it out, and hit myself right in the skull. Now, it sounds like I've got a lot of details, and you're wondering, since this was like 60 years ago, I'm 70 now, how the heck do I remember all these details? Well, let me tell you something. If you slam yourself in the head with the flat back of an axe and you give yourself a concussion, that is going to slam a memory into your head that is never going to go away. I can remember that pain. Here I am in my little ghost costume and I'm staggering home. I don't think I was bleeding. I remember getting all the way up through that pasture and managed to get to the front of the house and stagger in. And when I got there, I took the little hood off my ghost costume and because it was kind of a little detached part of a sheet, we were getting fancy. And my mother said, literally, you're white as a sheet. You should go lie down. And I said, I think I'll go lie down. And I did. But to this day, I've got a dent in my head. And for a long time, I could see dragons and skeletons and harpies as though they were real. And this is because when I hit myself, I shattered all the divisions between the various departments of my head and the vision 
images got mixed in with the imagination images and it was all real. Now this healed over time and I lost the ability to do this. And my brain would always signal a new connection by stabbing me with a horrible pain like a knitting needle going into my skull. And that was just sending a pain load through to test to see if that particular nerve connection worked. And I always said, why does it have to be that? Why can't it be an orgasm? Why can't it be the taste of chocolate ice cream? But no, pain is our most primitive nerve function. And so it had to do it that way. By the way, this whole spook house was like mini capitalism. We we're going to make money by making popcorn balls and having a nickel admission. Of course, it cost us more to make the popcorn balls with my mom's kitchen supplies than it did to earn the money. But for basically earning nothing, I spent a long time in pain and being able to see harpies fly by the side of the car. <laughs> I was going to talk to you about pillows that called to me out of the woods. But instead, this crap that's been going on with me has got to be addressed. And I don't know if it's spirits in the house because it's getting on to be Halloween. But I just womaned the house to all those people. I yeeted them right out of the house into the rain. And I said, you ain't going to come back. You're going to be lucky if you don't get sage. I'm working on a secret art project for somebody else because you know I don't keep my stuff secret ever I'm blathering them away at conventions I am telling people what the plots are I don't care and then they get the ad but I get all prepared to do this and the first thing I do is catch a rhinovirus and then it turns into a lung infection and now I've got or I'm finally getting over a kind of a flu with diarrhea that had me real weak and shaky. And you really don't want to be inking and trying to do e decent work when you're sick. The machine is down. Last Monday, I am cutting up some boxes and the stupid box cutter rips over and fucking cuts my leg open. So I'm not really feeling in the mood to do art. I'm trying to deal with that leg. And now I finally get down to where I can lay some lines out on some good paper with actual ink. And I got a bottle of really nice ink. And I'm not even near the stupid thing on the drawing table. And I swear to God, it jumps off the table and throws ink all over the floor. So I have got to stop and deal with that. And, of course, I'm swearing and yelling. And I slam the door open and say, get the hell out of the house. My husband is ignoring me because I have problems with the spirits. Anyway... I'll tell you, uh, I will get at this when I can, but the inking is going to happen on this project. It is going to happen, and I'm just, if these guys keep it up, I'm going to get a shaman, shaman, and I'm going to get them to sage the place and send everybody else out, except for the cats, if they want to stick around. And if you wonder what that odd sound is back there, that's me slapping the bed because I'm pissed off and I look down just now, and it's like, you're making a podcast cast, enough with the noise. So now you know what that was. It wasn't somebody crinkling paper in the background. I've mentioned before that I am uselessly psychic. At one point, I wanted 
a pillow for the couch. So I went down to the quarter store where you can buy all the thrift store items for a quarter. And in my mind, I was looking for some reason for a black pillow with a gold design all over it. And I looked all over it and I looked up for it for several days. And I finally said, well, you know, I'll find it sooner or later. I'll find the right pillow. So I go down later on to the beach, take a walk, and there is an area we call the island because it used to be an island until it got attached by all the sand and gravel by the motion of the ocean. And I went up into the trail area and there's a favorite little area that's kind of sheltered. And the younger people, as they do in these rural areas, have favorite tristine areas. And I go back into there and I'm going through there and sometimes there's old sleeping bags and stuff you got to pick up at beer cans. We keep the beaches clean up here. And I find in the middle of this area, which is completely clean otherwise, the very pillow I had been imagining. So this pillow is sitting in the woods saying, come and get me. So for once, my useless psychic ability became useful. And I'm leaning on this pillow right now. So I rescued a pillow. This isn't a ghost story because I didn't become a ghost. But as I just told you, I have a damaged brain, which means I live on the glass prairie. I don't get any sleep. I can never shut my brain up. But I have a weird two-stroke emergency method in my brain. A friend of mine once behind me in the kitchen, uh, we were both renting a house together. Um, I was drawing at the drawing table in the nook by the kitchen and she was cleaning blackberries and she had a weird sense of humor. She was obviously a Pict of some kind, little thing with buggy eyes. And yes, that's what they look like. And she said, Donna, Oh my God. And I turned around and she was holding her hands up and went, ah, ah, and it was, you know, covered with some kind of red substance. And she said she watched my brain, which was in one gear, working on the comics gear, stop because my body froze. And she said, I could almost feel your brain lifting up out of one gear, going over, clicking down into emergency gear and then you started moving again because you held up your hands and went okay what you need to do is put elevate your hands let's get some ice i'm going to call 911 and she says donna it's blackberries it's not blood it's blackberries she said i literally froze again and she watched my brain pick up out of the emergency gear go over and clunk back down into the everyday gear at which point i said you asshole this gear came into play when I was at AIT, Advanced Individual Training, or whatever the heck it was, because now I don't remember what it is, uh, in the Signal Corps. And myself and another woman were walking back to the barracks in the dark. I mean, we had people with us, and a couple of guys picked up with us. Now, these were two black guys, but it didn't matter in the Army. It's not that they were black, it's that they were guys, and guys in the Army... They spot women alone, even just two women together, and you're liable to get trouble. So these guys walked with us back to the barracks, and women, of course, try to be friendly and try to be calm because our males hate our females. God knows why. Something's gone wrong there. And when we got back to the barracks and we were in the alleyway and trying to say goodnight nicely, 
the shorter guy literally lifted the other woman up, put her on a box, and kind of crowded her up against the wall. It was like he was trying to talk to her, but she he was also crowding her and terrorizing her. And I was like, hey, man, that's not cool. And then I realized the taller guy had pulled a knife on me. Now, we all, when we had a weekend off, we all went into the local town near Fort Gordon, which is, of course, uh, Augusta. And we all went to the same pawn shop. And you saw all kinds of things. You know, we got cheap clothes that we thought were cool back in the 70s, if you could imagine. And there were a lot of knives. Now, my friend is terrorized. Her eyeballs are out on stalks. And this guy's looking at me. And again, I just froze. And then, believe me, this happened. I reached out with my right hand, which is my user hand, and I took that knife by the blade and I slipped it out of his hand. And he just froze. I mean, I guess his brain froze into, you know, the what the fuck area of his head. And I was holding this thing up and looking at it like I knew what it was. Well, I knew what it was. It came from that cheap pawn shop. And I said, uh, where'd you get this? And he, uh, he told me. I mean, those are the sounds he made. He told me which pawn shot he got from. Um, and I asked him, what'd you pay for it? And he told me. And at this point, his buddy and the other woman are staring at me. They for completely forgot what they're doing. This guy's mouth is hanging open. The guy with the, the guy who used to have the knife. And I'm kind of looking this around and I'm bending it and acting like I'm going to throw it. And I went, you paid that for this? Look, I know that guy. And I named him. I said, him selling this to you is like for twice as much. And you can imagine why. And I said, you go back there and you get your money back. And I gave it back to him. And I said to my friend, what are you doing messing around? We got duty in the morning. Come on, get down off the box. Good night, guys. And we went in the barracks. And of course, they're standing there with their jaws down around their kneecaps. And we got into the barracks. And my friend turned around to me and said, do you know what you just did? And at that point, my brain clunked out of emergency gear and I collapsed on my knees. A whole different person takes me over, over when I have a problem to deal with. I'm like a born sergeant. When everything's going to pieces, I'll fix it. But that's why I'm not a ghost because my brain just takes so long getting into emergency gear, all the pain nerves, their messages die, like trying to send FedEx to an unincorporated area. And of course, I mean the fear nerves, and that is just going to die in the course of trying to get to my head while I'm going into emergency mode. Anchor FM, which is the app I do this podcast on and website, has just told me that because I've got enough listener hits that this channel can now be monetized. Well, I'm not going to just grab any old ad because they don't do that. They have you record ads. And we already know the only way to stay alive now today in today's market is to make your ads short and funny. This is like the old radio days when people like Bob Hope and Bing Crosby would read the ads. And one of these radio show comedians said, hey, this is the stuff that pays for the stuff. So I'm think when I figure this out and put the right account on it and everything else, 
you'll have me reading in my voice with as much comedy as possible short ads for probably other people's podcasts and I'll probably put them at the end here or maybe in the middle but I promise they're going to be entertaining they're going to be fun I'll make a few extra you know pennies here and there and uh, we'll see if I can't become an advertising voice which I've always wanted to do animation voices and maybe this would be a step forward into animation cross your fingers a spooky 